Pickaxe. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to the Review of Death, a Doctor Who podcast. I'm Matt. I'm Billy. And uh, yeah, this is your place to be if you want fortnightly updates on Doctor Who news and a review of a particular story of your choosing. Yeah. Uh, And this week we're talking about the season 15 story... Underworld with Tom Baker, Louise Jameson, and John Leeson. So quite a departure from uh, the time uh, twin time dilemma, the twin dilemma last week uh, or the fortnight before. Irrelevant if you're listening to this a, a year really from is, now. Yeah. We're, we're trying to get used to that vernacular. <laughs> um, but yeah, quite a different kettle of fish. And I'm, I'm very eager to kind of get into it and see Me what too. we think about Me it. Because I can see that there's a little bit of a yeah, well, I, well, we, well, an idea well, behind the show yeah. sort of forming at the moment. But news... Let's yes. talk about stuff that's happened. What's not, happened? Not an awful lot. Um, Tony Selby. Yes. L- yesterday, Very... as a recording this, or was it the day before? So, yeah, so we are recording this on the... 7th? 8th of, 8th September. of September. So, 7th of September, yeah, Tony Selby passed away. Mm. Um, we obviously, earlier in the year, had that very weird thing where we thought he'd already passed away um and that was a different tony selby working at the bbc around the same sort of time um and now yeah a couple of months later is actually the, the, the actual gone. tony oh not the um, actual tony selby yeah. like the other ones are relevant um yeah glitz sabon glitz i think probably one of the best characters to come out of the 80s i think really? considering the little screen time he had yes you know he's only in two stories well three i guess if you count the ultimate foe um but yeah, he made a really big impression and you can he really fits in well with that whole 1980s glamour of J&T's era and he was just a really good reoccurring character and I think he really could have come back multiple times and it would always been like, oh, Glitz is back. It's funny actually because when I watched Dragonfire recently with the season 24 box set coming out, I sort of thought that. It was like, you know, he was only in it the year before but there is sort of like a, oh, He's back. He's clearly got on well with everybody as well. And there's a nice rapport with the production team. Um, I don't think he works quite as well with Sylve as he did with Colin. Because I think those are two very different characters that they're playing off against each other. But still lovely to have him back and fit so well into that McCoy aesthetic. Like the look of him is, is great. And yeah, a shame we never really got to see more of him in the program and he was always a great ambassador for the yeah. show talking about it in behind the scenes features and yeah, stuff and, and doing conventions and stuff exactly he was always um, like a kind of pleasant face to see pop up yeah talking about the yeah program and- i mean my brother asked me this the other day he was like did he ever do any big finish and i said no he didn't and i don't know if that's because 
he was never asked or perhaps he was asked and wasn't interested mm. or too much money. Or I don't know. Or the rights know. to glitz, or maybe. Or perhaps the rights to glitz might be a bit funny. I don't know. Who knows? Um, but it was, it was a shame because he would have been really good back on audio. And you wouldn't have noticed because no. he sounds exactly he the same or yeah. sounded exactly the same yeah. uh, when we heard from him in special features and He's stuff. He's just so, yeah. Del Boy in space. Literally. And it's just... it's, it works so well. Yeah. And I, know, I can't imagine anybody else playing that character. No. And considering really... This is the only thing I've seen Tony Selby in. Yeah. You know, I know he was in EastEnders. He was in for EastEnders while. and he's done a few comedy things. Yeah. So I think I've seen him in stuff. But this was my only real exposure to yeah. him. And yeah, it made a really genuine impression on the program. So very, very yeah. sorry to see him go. Yeah. But uh, there we go. Now, uh, there hasn't been an awful lot of Doctor Who news besides that. No. A few things we can talk about, though. Firstly, and we'll talk about it because it's Series 13 news uh we uh understand now that dan lewis is a plasterer from liverpool oh god exciting doesn't get more exciting than your pants stuff that is um what i thought was quite interesting about that interview on bbc breakfast yeah is the edict that he's called a friend of the doctor now not a companion I know. what do you think of that i don't like that no it's been a companion for all this time companion i can understand why they got rid of assistant mm, yeah because assistant does sound fairly you're playing second fiddle. I suppose companion has that kind of connotation as well. Like, it seems there's a hierarchy. You're yes. somebody's companion. Yeah, Do you know what I, I mean? Get, I guess so, but I mean... I prefer the word companion rather than friend, but personally, yeah. but, you know... Um, yeah, because it was like, even on the B&M sets, it was mm. the friends of the 13th Doctor set, not even companions of the mm. 13th Doctor. But, you know, everybody's just going to keep using the term companion. Well, this is the thing. You know? It's so ingrained into the program mm. you know even if it's not really said mm. everyone around it is just part of the lexicon of being a doctor who fan it's a companion so i don't know why they're bothering me really. no. i don't think many people are going to be going oh friend i, <laughs> I don't know why <laughs> i don't know why they're bothering but equally it's not like the word companion is being phased out no everybody's going to keep using it yeah it's not a story basically um i suppose some people wanted us to talk about the lack of news and what we think about the way the show's being promoted at the moment yeah um considering we're what maybe a matter of weeks months away from the show starting autumn sort of time is good i imagine it'll be like next month yeah exactly um but we don't know no so we don't know what the lead time is on that stuff uh the find the doctor stuff seems to have got a bit quieter yeah i mean it's difficult because like we said last week or last time that's really good and i think that's a really clever thing that they're doing and it's really fun if you have the time to invest in that and you know and you know probably when i was younger i might have been more interested but you know i like seeing other people say oh this is the thing Mm. But the, the only thing I've actually been able to detect recently was a newsletter that came out and yeah. some letters were italicised and in bold. Yeah. And it was, you know, oh, look, that's something to do with that. I haven't got the time to work out what it is. I did yeah. write down every letter, but then it was just a jumble of letters on my notes on my <laughs> phone. And I was like, huh, okay, well, I'll leave somebody else to do that. They can tell me what it means. Um, I guess the thing that a lot of people are frustrated about, though, is that we're not getting a lot of information, no. you know, I would say I don't think this is particularly dissimilar in terms of the information we've been given mm. for prior Chibnall seasons. Oh, no. It's not obviously just the way that he wants to promote the yeah. show. It has led to some genuine surprises. Yeah. It's not like it hasn't worked in terms of keeping stuff oh, yeah. under wraps. Um, so I'm totally fine with it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it'd be nice to get a bit more information every now and again. Yeah, but- I, I was sort of thinking the other day, like, can you imagine if 
JNT went on to you know BBC Breakfast to promote this uh, with with a star a named star like John Bishop mm. to promote the series and the only bit of information he could give was he's a plasterer mm. JNT would have gone mad he would go like, mental what on earth are you doing what was it he used to say like uh, watch and find out or, yeah, you know, well, yeah. stay yeah, tuned stay tuned you know it was, it was quite funny to hear John Bishop just sort of say oh you know they told me off because I said I lo- I'm, I gonna be li- I'm from Liverpool like you know what do they expect I loved it's, it, it and he he literally said it's me in yeah. Doctor Who yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's like well that is everything we need to know about your character you are John Bishop in Doctor Who but it's like with Bradley Walsh yeah. we weren't expecting any more than that yeah. really and it's not like we knew any more about him than before I no. mean it might be that the press photographs had a bit more character in them like his West Ham badge yeah. and that sort of stuff yeah. but you know what Dan Lewis new companion he's a plasterer from Liverpool yeah. it's no different to the only information about Mel Bush being she's a computer programmer from Peace Pottage yeah, exactly like yeah. so what yeah. you know and that's yeah. fine I'm happy with that as a byline we yeah. can learn about him as the series goes yeah. on that's kind of what the show is about yeah. it's not about giving this backstory for this character before you've even met them no i no. know everybody wants to know yeah but you know yeah someone posted something quite interesting the other day which was the um publicity images of the companion of the friends sorry of the, <laughs> of, the fr- of the friends of uh 13th doctor <laughs> from series 11 like just before the trailer dropped for that her first series and it was the one of like um graham in the chippy and oh yeah, yeah ryan's in the calf and yeah uh, is having a pizza at home oh yeah she's having a pizza on her own um and someone says, like, if you saw these pictures as a member of the public, what on... You would not think it had anything to do with Doctor Who. I know. You would but just that, be like... But I quite like that trailer when it came out. I know that people preferred that one to the ceiling... Oh, I hated the Glass ceiling, ceiling trailer. It was just, like, so, like... Oh. That was a bit too on the nose, it's maybe. so on the nose. But it was like, come on. At the same time, it's kind of like, oh, you know... I've, I've relaxed a lot about Doctor Who promotion. You know, <laughs> we, we both have. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah. be fair. Um... I, I quite like the concept of it, be it that trailer from series 11, where it's like, well, the Doctor's kind of coming into their lives and they least expect it and kind of making it better. Yeah, Or yeah. like improving it or whatever. But, you know, she's not Spider-Man. That scene comes across <laughs> like, you know, or, or, or Wonder Woman or Superman doing yeah, yeah, it really, yeah. really fast or the Flash or whatever. And it's yeah. like, she hasn't got superpowers. And no. then she's this omnipotent, angelic being as she comes out of nothingness yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And it's kind of like, I mean... Sure, but it's got nothing to do with what we're going to see. <laughs> then again, it's not like we saw Chris Eccleston actually being chased by a fireball that is in true. Series that 1. That is true. So, but know, it looked bloody good. It did look it good. it did get everyone very excited. Talking about things that Christopher Eccleston might get people excited over. Oh, yes. Um, we have got the... Well, no, it's not exciting. He's not going to be in the 60th anniversary <laughs> special. Um, I have got the full quote that he he um, he made uh, during Q&A at Dragon Con yeah. in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, just a couple of days ago or a week or so ago. Uh, and he was asked by the by the uh, interviewer if he would please appear in the 60th anniversary, to which he said, my relationship with the BBC over Doctor Who has not healed. I hope this never happens to you, but at the time of my leaving, I agreed with Russell that I'd go quietly and respectfully and I'll look after the show in terms of publicising it. And then without saying anything to me, they announced I was leaving. It's interesting now we're seeing this oh. stuff. This, I feel like this is the most candid he's yeah. been. I mean, there's a lot more that we... Oh, God, yeah. You know, is out there and yeah, people yeah. know about that hasn't been discussed. Um, I mean, probably shouldn't, really, uh, in this kind of public setting. But um, uh, he goes on to say, uh, they didn't tell me they were going to do that. And more importantly, they created a quote and attributed it to me that I was tired. The thing is that I wasn't 
I didn't find it too tiring. I found it tiring working with Russell and Phil and Julie. I didn't find it physically too tiring. When they said that, any other producer reading that would say, I'm not going to employ Christopher Eccleston because he gets tired. So it's a lie. And I'm from Salford. You don't do that to me. They issued a kind of apology, but it's not enough. So no. But I'll do Big Finish and I'll come to these conventions. No. Well, I mean, it's nice that he's able to, you know, he sort of made his peace with that side of things, but he's found an avenue where he can revisit the character. Because I think this is quite horrible that he got a lot of flack, didn't he, in the years afterwards from certain sections of the fandom saying, oh, Christopher Eccleston hates Doctor Who and all this sort of stuff. Well, just because he just didn't talk about it. Because he didn't talk about it. And, you know, obviously we aren't privy to what exactly happened. And obviously, you know, this was a massive thing for him, you know, to be the face of this huge franchise and then for it to go so badly wrong... You know, and he obviously had a lot of personal things going on at that time as well. Mm. So it was a really must be a very difficult thing to contend with. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a trauma. It's a trauma, isn't yeah. it? Um, and I think you know, it's just good now that people can see actually he never stopped loving no. the part. Or he just the had program. to find a way back to, into it exactly. in his time. Yeah. You know, and he always used to say, you know, he used to love the uh, the fact that kids enjoyed it and you know would write to him and all that sort of stuff because you know it was nothing something that he never had before and it was a new experience for him um so i think it, yeah i mean it's, it's great that he's able to do these big finish mm. box sets because yeah i think that sort of makes it clear that he's going to be doing more after this first four, four yeah uh, which is brilliant yeah um, i've just finished listening to the second one that so was t- really good really good yeah, yeah i thoroughly enjoyed it yeah okay. much much better than the Ravages. other ones, yeah, because yeah. okay. it was just three three separate stories, no, no arcs, no confusing stuff. It was just quite clear, good, um, and you can just tell that he's having a really good time with it. He- I think that it does to me, and I I wasn't of this mindset a fortnight ago. Reading that, it's going to take a lot to get a feature out of it in terms of a retrospective in the future and i know you know we're being it might sound a bit pigheadish sort of saying this going like well let's think about when we're going to learn more yeah 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 we know as much as he's willing to give us yeah and that's obviously taken time for him to get Mm. back into the frame of mind to be the doctor again yeah so to then uncover more stuff from the production at the time is obviously going to be a very difficult thing for him to do yeah um it would be nice to know more oh yeah of course but And not in any kind of salacious rubbing our hands like, well, let's find out what really happens, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. on the day that the pig stuff was shot for <laughs> the the aliens of London Supata. But we don't need to know that stuff. No, no one's no one's enjoyment of the programme is going to be changed oh, by no, not, not knowing. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think it could by finding out a bit more about all that stuff. Yeah. I think a lot of perceptions would shift. Yeah. Um, and the fact that he's very clearly mentioning the BBC as a whole. Yeah. He's not saying the people that worked at the BBC then, even though he singles out Russell, Julie and Phil, yeah. just goes to show it's an issue with the corporation. Mm. And if they're responsible ultimately for piecing things together for these box sets, yeah. when it comes to series one, yeah, I he- would pretty much count Chris out of talking about it, yeah. really. Um, and and would, would they want to discuss it without him being there? I doubt it. That's another thing, it's isn't it? It's not fair. No. It's, it's almost like attributing the quote to him, really. It is, isn't he's it? He's not yeah. going to be able... He's not going to be fully happy with that yeah. unless he's there to say his piece and do his bit. Yeah, it's very sort of murky waters, that whole mm. situation. I think if we do get to the new series in these collection sets, I would imagine that David Tennant's stuff will inevitably come out first because it... Just like series 12. We'll get, what, like series two or four first yeah, or something? Yeah, because, you know, David 
is always there for the series. I think he would gladly come and sit down and do a behind the sofa and watch his series with his father-in-law and his wife or whatever, you know? Yeah. So I think, yeah, maybe for Eccleston, we'll have to wait a little longer. Right. Well, that's the news over and done with. Yeah. Uh, Today in our review of death, we're going to talk about Underworld. Yes. What were your initial sort of feelings about coming to this story? Because as we all know, Fourth Doctor. Yeah, my favourite. favourite Doctor. Yeah. I am not a fan of this era. Specifically later, Seven is Tom Baker. So sort of Graham Williams. Yeah. Anthony Reid sort of era. Yeah. Um, What did you make, Matt, of Underworld? So I went into it. This is one of those stories where whenever I watch it, I always sort of switch off. If I'm having a marathon or something... That one goes on, and then I just find other things to do, and then it's over, and then we're on to the next one, which is Invasion of Time, which is that's a story for another day. But uh, I hope so. Yeah, yeah. I, hope so. <laughs> um, I went into this one. I thought, you know, I'm going to try and really focus my attention on it, and really try to not necessarily enjoy it, but sure, I actually kind of did enjoy it. Uh huh. Um, I think episode one is really quite strong. I think there's a lot of good setup in episode one. Episode two, it goes down fast, very, very quickly. As soon as you get into CSO land with all those terrible tunnels, it's just the story falls apart. And it's not just not just in terms of the production either. Nothing happens in that episode. They're just running around tunnels. There's no plot. <laughs> it's not just part two, though, that happened. That's every part after part one. Oh, do you reckon? I think it sort of picks up. Episode three and four, I think it picks up ever so slightly. Do you know, do you know what I was really aware of as, 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 as we were watching it is the amount of material that's reused back and forth between the episodes. Yeah. And how obviously padded it is. Yeah. And that doesn't change. No. So to me, in the sequences where there isn't plot happening which is quite a lot of the time in yeah. this story as a whole, not just individual parts. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of watching it and going, like, we didn't speak about that. We haven't spoken about the plot for about five minutes. Yeah. It's literally just been a shot of them going up a thing, a yeah. shot of them coming back down the way, you know, and that's, and that's it. Yeah. Um, having said it in that, in that manner, though, I have to say, I actually had a quite a bit of fun watching it yeah i enjoyed it a yeah. little bit you know like i'm not going to say that this is like a revelation like no. you know this is like when enemy of the world turned up and everyone went oh it's actually quite good <laughs> yeah. it, this is not that no it is it deserving though of being the worst fourth doctor ranked the lowest fourth doctor story uh is it worthy of being... all time uh i mean it definitely probably does need to be up there doesn't it really would you not put the would you would you have the like the power of crawl over this or oh, I like, quite like power of crawl armageddon factor oh god armageddon factor is deathly dull mm-hmm. and it's also written by bob baker and david Rebus martin operation that's quite dull as well isn't it actually but there's some nice bits in it and it looks quite good it looks nice actually yeah but i think that's the see the rebus operation looks good whereas this whereas is brown <laughs> yeah, it and it. beige brown and beige that is the that is the, the image that conjures into my mm-hmm. mind when you think of that story the only thing that brings any color 
is Tom's scarf. You, yeah. Is that is that a new scarf? That is a new scarf. Because yeah. I I noticed he's wearing it slightly differently. Yeah. It doesn't sit on him like yeah. the other ones do prior. Yeah, it's wider yeah. and I think it's longer and the colours are slightly off. Mm. They're not quite the same colours, so it looks a bit weird. I and think, he's basically all scarf on his torso. Yeah. Like at least for previous ones you have the loop. Yeah, he doesn't or he's he keeps tied it, it, fully he keeps around it his neck. all bunched up. Yeah. Um I think he wears it first in Image of the Fendal. Mm. I could be wrong, mm-hmm. um, but he definitely wears it in Invasion of Time, and then he never wears it again. Interesting. I think but, just, really, that's yeah, it. That's it. He only wears it for those two or three stories. I have to say, I was looking at the fact that I noticed it yeah. looked like a different scarf. To me, indicates that there's something not quite right about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It, it was standing out. It for also some indicates reason. the story is so bad. <laughs> like, oh my like, god, that's a different scarf. scarf. <laughs> looks, the knitting pattern looks a bit different on that, and I don't know anything about that. No, yeah, sort of side of production. Um, let's do the the quick rundown of sort of bits and bobs that happened around that time. I have to say, it's a very boring time. Is it? With the exception that December that yeah. just gone. Obviously, this story came out in in January um, 1978. Is uh, Star Wars has just come out. Right, yeah. And the production were, were aware at some point, I'm not sure at what point of production, it was probably before the sets were being fabricated and the costumes being made, Yeah, that Underworld was going to debut 10 days after Star Wars came out in the UK. <laughs> My God. So, and they're also in a position at this point where they are considering dropping Underworld right. entirely yeah. and reallocating the budget to Invasion of Time yeah. because there was a massive economic crisis at this point in, yeah. the, in the UK and it destroyed the budgets for the second half of this season. And so that is why you've got quite an impressive spaceship set yeah. on board the RC, R1C, is it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it kind of it, it doesn't all, really get yeah. used again. And, and then it, we're it, all in CSO land for the rest of the story. Yeah, and it's clever that they use the same set, slightly refabricated. But it's clearly the, the set. It's, it's just like the they, they just put some coloured gels yeah, on, the, exactly. on the light so it's all pink and yeah. stuff. UK, very economical. Yeah, very economical, and they had to be. Yeah. Um, uh, UK number one single at this time, Matt. Do you want to have a guess? Oh, 1978. Uh, oh, I don't know. It was Paul McCartney and Wings was it? with Mull of Kintyre. Which... Mull of Kintyre, I don't know. Mull of Kintyre, oh, mist rolling in from the sea. It's a Scottish people hate it because right. it's like it, I don't know. It, it. It's him basically singing about I love my farm and <laughs> I love Scotland. I love Kintyre, and all Scottish people are going like, Wait, what? Who's this? Who's this English bloke who's just moved up into this farm? Um, it's not very well liked, I don't think. Um, but it was number one. <laughs> it was number one. It was number one for a long time. Yeah. Uh, UK box office number ones at that at that time. The Gauntlet, written by, uh, sorry, directed by and starring Clint Eastwood, right? Uh, and of course, Star Wars, which would go Wars. on to become the highest grossing movie uh, in the UK in 1978. Yeah. Other movies that came out that year, Matt. That are particularly important. Think of any 1978. Oh, 1978. Uh, or at least ones that might have been kind of in the top five highest grossing movies of the year. 1978. If, as if Star Wars wasn't enough yeah, was to like say, derail well, this production yeah. by comparison. Um, hmm. Is it a Bond? There's no. Or, uh, I mean, Moonraker would have been relatively close to this. Yeah, that might have been 79. Was it 79? Oh. Might have been. I don't know. I'm not, I can't remember. Superman. Of course, yeah, Superman, yeah, yeah, yeah. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Right, yeah. Grease and Saturday Night Fever. Wow. So big, big movies, big movies. Uh, And uh, a couple of notable events in terms of British sci-fi as well. So 2nd of January, Blake 7 debuts on UK TV, which is, you know, just under a week 
before yeah. this episode comes out. Yeah. Dudley Simpson sneaks in a little Blake Seven I, thing into the th- into the music. Yeah, I didn't pick that up. Did it's, you? It's it's when they're heading towards the pla- the planet. Yeah. In part. So I think it's the beginning of part two. Right. You can just about hear it. Just oh, really? buried in the... There's a little... There are little... It's like the production info subtitles say it's there. And then yeah. you listen to it and you're like, I mean, there's a little bit of orchestration that sounds very Blake 70, but it is Dudley Simpson it's after all. Composer, so it all it? sounds it's like... A, yeah, exactly. Like Dudley you can Simpson. watch Blake 7 and go, oh yeah, this is... It sounds like Doctor Who. Exactly. Um, and then the 8th of March of that year, Hitchhiker's... Oh, debuts wow. on Radio 4. Okay. Um, so, yeah, about a week after Underworld was TX. That, no, no, it's about a month, sorry. A month yeah. after part four of Underworld went out. Gosh. So... It was a big year, 78. Big year for, for stuff. And uh, Underworld arrives. And Underworld happens, yeah. <sighs> and it's... I yeah. was thinking, this the thing with season 15, now I've not watched all of Blake 7 mm. yet. I've watched half of Blake 7. We should probably talk a bit about Blake 7. We should probably we? do about yeah. Blake 7, yeah. Um, and I remember Blake 7 being on from my childhood. I remember watching it on UK Gold either before or after Doctor Who. And obviously very similar in the look of both programmes. But I think season 15 looks very Blake 70 or Blake 70 looks mm. very season 15 mm. Doctor Who and by that I mean I think it looks cheap I really I think I th- always thought that Blake 7 was meant to be slightly bigger better, budget bigger, bigger budget Doctor Who but uh, it's quite the opposite it yeah. seems like it's on more of a shoestring budget than Doctor Who ever was but saying that, yeah, they both look like the same universe. It looks like it's all shared between the same people. The, the, the R1C looks like... It does, yeah. It looks like Blake and his bloody lot could have come in at looks, any moment. It looks like the Liberator. And it also, does, yeah. you've got a sentient AI controlling yeah. the ship, which yeah. is very similar to... Um, is it... Who's Orac. The, Orac, and then Slave is the second one yeah. that's in the think. Scorpio, I think it's called. Yeah. Um, season 15 is a bit of a weird one for me in terms of actually liking any of the stories, isn't same, it? Yeah. Uh, obviously, the horror fang rock's great. Yeah. Invisible Enemy. I quite like Invisible Enemy. It's fine, I'm, but, you know, it's not... It's good fun. Uh, it's Bob Baker and Dave Martin again. So, yeah. that, you know, they've, they've offered two scripts up. Image of the Fendile, which, you know... Yeah, I, I never really understand what is going on in that story, but it's good fun. And then uh, The Sunmakers. Not a fan. No. Then this... And then the invasion of time. Yeah, so it does. So go there down is now. a bit of a, <laughs> a, a dip in quality, yeah. isn't there? Now, do you think, having heard what you just said about Underworld, almost got the chop? Mm. Do you think this season would have been better off chopping out Underworld and attributing the budget to Invasion of Time? Because it might have meant we'd have got a better TARDIS interior set. I and mean, we might not have had tinfoil on well, that's the, 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 Vard, the Vardens were the first thing I thought of <laughs> yeah. that need a bit of a spruce up. I don't know what more you could have done at that no. time, though. Like, they're obviously trying. Yeah. They're clearly trying. Nobody is just resting on their laurels oh, and no. go, that'll do. No, no, no. Um, I, I think we just have to, yeah, it's that perspective on TV making back then. Yeah. And even now, everyone's trying their best. If it doesn't come out looking amazing, yeah. that's usually out of people's hands. It's, you know, yeah. and the fact that the budgets were decimated mm. and that when you get to the point in a production where you think we might have to like scrap everything that is a huge yeah. decision to make because that's a lot of money that you might be you yeah. know pissing away i mean i i can never say that something would be better without something existing yeah like I'd, i would never want to get rid of any individual story of doctor Who. no um how much could you really have improved 
the invasion, invasion of, of time. time. Yeah. You know, I, I, I quite like that story. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of like an early season finale template for what the new series yes. might do. You yeah, know? yeah, very much um, so. One thing I would like to talk about straight away because it was one of the first notes I made is how good Louise Jameson is. She's really good at <laughs> it, isn't she? I, I can't remember which story I was watching recently. I think it might have been The Face of Evil. Yeah. But I I, I think she's just amazing. Yeah. I think she's probably my favourite 70s companion aside from like Harry and Sarah yeah. and Joe. I, I, I think she's just exceptional. She's so good, you know, and she's so good with the little that she gets to do because she doesn't get much to do, especially once Graham Williams comes mm. in. Um, you know, I think Philip Hinchcliffe and Bob Holmes had a very clear idea of what they wanted to do with her. And so, you know, she gets much more to do in those first few stories. And I guess Horror Fang Rock as well, mm. she gets more to do because Fang Rock feels like it's a almost like a leftover from the previous era. Yeah, I, I think there is a lot of that in the early going of season 15. Yeah. Um, even down to the fact, well, this is Anthony Reed's first story where he's totally in charge yeah. of it. And you kind of get the impression there's a little bit of an echo of the earlier Tom Baker years where you're referring to classic literature like Frankenstein yeah. or, you know, uh, Phantom of the Opera or whatever. Yeah. Here, it's kind of the same thing, but we're going to do myths and legends we're do myths this and time. Legend. Yeah. And I think that's cool because everybody knows, you know, Jason the Argonauts yeah. or the Golden Fleece or whatever. And so it's cool to, to, to reference that. Yeah. But it does feel like a pale imitation of um, pale imitations almost that they were doing before. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, nobody's comparing the brain of Morbius to Frankenstein. No. You know, I mean, they're two yes. very different works, but it's the influences of them. Yeah. And I think that there is still a hangover of we're going to be influenced by things. Yeah. Nick ideas repurpose them for Doctor yeah. Who. Um, do you think that this is kind of as far as they can go with that, really? Because I, I feel like this is, this is the point where they go, let's stop doing yeah, that Yeah, I think, I think this is like a, a step too far, isn't it, almost? I was thinking that when, when I was watching it. And it, it, I think it there's just not enough going on within the story. You know, the Oracle is just there. And these, like, bumbling sort of henchmen in, yeah. like, Gimp bloody I'm costumes. so happy that you got to the BDSM <laughs> yeah. stuff before I did because I can't look at them and not think, well, you take that off, there's a ball gag yeah. in their mouth as well. And Johnny said to me, he was like, God, there's one in it who's got a really boring voice. Oh, yeah. No. They, like but they're, all, it's, they're, they're all like it. They're all the same. Yeah. I, so we can talk about the villains. So the guards, yeah. the seers, and yeah, the, the seers. oracle. Yeah. And... I have no idea why everybody's so angry at each other. No, I don't get it either. I, I don't Nothing quite get the plot. Nothing is explained in this story. This is one of the, one of my notes. Was like things just don't get explained. No. So so we, so we've got so so we've got uh, Herrick and and um, Jackson and Jackson all that lot and the crew Tala, yeah. and they're on a ship, and they've lost traces of a ship that went ahead of them that contained yeah. the the race, se- the race bank of the minions Minion of, of minios and somehow that has ended up in the hands of the guards well they are the minions well, they, are, they? they are the minions yeah. and and so the, the oracle is sworn to protect the race pods the, yeah. the banks then the oracle doesn't have them anymore and then it blows up and then the story finishes. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of it. That's it. 
Um, it's not that complex a plot. And I think that is the trouble when yeah. it's so static and it's so like my, my brain was leaking out of my ears watching the twin dilemma because I found it stupefyingly bad. Yeah. This I found boring. Mm. And I know that some people have said at least there's stuff going on in the twin dilemma. Yeah. And that this commits more of a cardinal sin by actually being boring and not much happening. Yeah. But, and it was more of a slog to get through. Yeah. But I, I enjoyed watching it more. I didn't feel like as, you know, think, angry watching it or whatever, you know. Like, I think the performance, I don't want to say the performances are better because obviously Colin is doing mm. so well in the other one, but obviously the doctor is written. Tom hasn't turned up. Tom is just doing everything that he would normally do. There's some good lines in it as well. There's some funny lines in this story, actually, that I'd never really picked up before. And I thought, actually, in places, the script's quite good, but what the, where the script fails is explaining anything. Like, you know... Why? Why? Why is there this weird shift in power? Why is there seers? Why? Is, why is there slaves? Why do the seers have gold dildo heads? <laughs> are they part robot? What are they? That, that's not really explained. But as soon as the guards take their gimp masks off, you go, oh. yeah. So they're just blokes in hoods. Yeah, and like the script is saying, like the the it was what's it called Rask is one of them. It's called Rask yeah, or yeah. something. Grimaces, but it's scripted that he has his hood on, so you can't see anything. It's yeah. just like there's maybe it's maybe it's a similar problem with the twin dilemma that the villain when they do get introduced, yeah, there's nothing going on there. No, it's not particularly interesting. No, and I don't think it helps as well that Tom is one of this is one of his worst performances i think after well when, when you get into part two you can tell tom is like He's, i am not enjoying just no. being stood around on this bloody blue screen no. I, i've got nothing to act off of or against mm. i'm fed up well when when the when the cave in happens when the in part four yeah um he's just mumbling his lines he's just not he's not yeah. acting really no. he's just sort of you know when can we get down the pub sort of yeah. or he's already been down the pub and he's sloshed for the entire thing yeah. um, I, probably I, just to get through it li- yeah I, 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 I don't think it's fair to say that this is the worst fourth Doctor story in my opinion there, I, I, I would prefer this over one or two others yeah I mean I'll be honest I really don't like the horns of Nightmare well exactly but I think this is it's fair to say this is Tom's is, worst performance. Yeah, I think he's just like, oh, I can't can't be asked. No. I just yeah. And I don't blame him because it must be incredibly difficult, especially for that period of time, to be acting on a blue screen. Exactly. For an ex- you know, the whole story. You know, the only time he gets any sort of interaction with any props or anything yeah. is when he goes into the P seven E or mm. whatever. Mm. Um, there's nothing for him to do. Yeah, like like you know, there's all those stories about him walking into rooms and picking up glasses of water yeah. and listening to them. He can't do anything. No, and and that must be really difficult for any actor. Yeah, but also there is that thing where you just get over it and work w- with what you've got. Yeah. Whereas Tom wears his disapproval of yeah. everything going on around him on his face, in his voice, in the way he stands, in the way he looks at people. Yeah, there's a clear tension on the recording the performance that really stood out for me Mm. um, obviously Louise like we said was excellent and you know she's clearly giving it her all Mm. and uh, she's really good with K9 she's got a really nice relationship with K9 she clearly loves the dog Mm. and I love that bit at the end where she gives him a little smooch it's so lovely lovely. and you sort of think oh if only more of that could have happened, you know. It's a shame that she's leaving in the following story. Yeah. Um, it would have been nice to have seen that relationship build. Um, 
But the, the, the performance that really stood out for me was the guy who plays Herrick. Yeah. He is really good and he really gives it his all from part one. Alan Lake. Alan Lake. He gives it his all throughout the whole thing. He's just so believable. Like when he's got that little standoff bit on the on the bridge and he's like, oh, you you go on. I've been waiting to fight someone for all this time. Unfortunately, he gets like shot immediately. <laughs> straight away. <laughs> yeah, he does, he's like down. I was like, wow, really? That was it? You I know, know, he doesn't I know. kill anyone. He just goes, yeah. But it's, oh. Yeah. I, I love that as well because it's like, right, we need a scene, like lasers are popular because Star Wars yeah. has done lasers really well. We yeah. need a laser scene. Yeah. And you can tell they've dedicated a bit more time to the lasers the in lasers this. The lasers look pretty good yeah. for, for 70s Doctor Who. Yeah. Like, it actually looks better than some of the 80s I agree. laser effects. I agree. I was quite surprised. Yeah. Uh, and I actually think the weapons are quite a clever idea that it's your shield and your gun all in sure, one. Sure, I was trying to think when I was, I, I always like to have an emoji for each story when we do the poll and I was like, yeah. I don't know what to do for Underworld. The only thing I think of is a rock, which I did use, <laughs> yeah. or the shield emoji. Mm. But, like, how many people are going to remember people the, the shields? No, yeah. I know. I just like I, I have to put it in though. Yeah, and even even the minions when they're in when they put their space helmets on, even they look like very. I know it's dildo. really weird. It's but like what? Well, it's like the design of it is really odd because they they all just clash. It's like yeah. not one department was talking to another. Yeah, now, I know. I know it might be that they they wanted some symbolism to indicate that they this, were ancestors yeah. from the same sort of you know seed bank or the same race or whatever. Yeah. Um, but there are a couple of things that we just think I, I know you're trying to get inspired by Star Wars but the fact you're reusing certain yeah. elements in the design is pretty yeah you know. and it's like it was not It was almost like they didn't even sort of go down the Greek route either no. it was like oh well you know maybe we can play up that a little bit in the design I think that the, the space outfits that the R1C crew wear are quite kind of I mean, yeah, it's because it's got that golden it's tinge got the golden, to it. Yeah, that's so true. It yeah. kind of looks like armor. Yeah, in a way. Um, but going back to Harry Lake, yes. Um, yeah. So he he's really good. He's in the torture scenes. He's really he, he really sells really it. Is good. You know, he does it very very well. And the moment when he gets or when he gets the seed banks back, or what he thinks is the the race banks. He comes out and he does that bit where he's like, the quest is over. Yeah. And he's got this joy and he like, he's always looks like he's lost his mind. But I, I thought that they, they would follow up on that. Yeah. And he looks so happy. And I was like, wow, he's, he's really going for it. He's really thought about this. And then he passes them to Jackson and he walks off and you can just say there's just unbridled mm, joy in his mm. eyes. Jackson's got them and he's like, ah, oh, this is nice. <laughs> and then the guy behind him is smiling as if like, oh, we've gone for a nice day here. And then the woman is like, I would rather be anywhere else than in this shit Doctor Who story. I know, I know. I, I think that that episode, this episode hinges a lot of it on the, liking that crew yeah. and getting in with that crew. And given that, I mean, the guy who played Jackson wasn't dreadful. He was no, fine. Yeah, he he was, was doing his sort of like, you know, I'm in charge yeah, and yeah, I'll yeah. lead from the front sort of thing. Tala doesn't really do she does anything. Nothing. She's literally there to show that they can regenerate yeah. and then they never, <laughs> they never do, do again. So no wonder she looked fed up. Exactly. Um, and then, yeah, you've got Alan Lake actually doing quite He's a nice really job. Good. And then there's, there's the other guy in it as well, uh, Orf. Yeah. Who... Might, might as well might not, not, be, not be there yeah. to be honest it's a shame isn't it really you could just give his stuff to Talia and, yeah. and, and it would actually or Tala and it would actually make the dynamic of the crew a lot more interesting because yeah. you're not having but then again at the same time it's like wow that's another thing you've lost and you're now everybody's focusing on the set or the CSO yeah. or the production of it and yeah I don't know 
You had a story about Alan Lake. Now, though. I had a story about Alan Lake. Now, I heard this story ages ago, but he had a really tragic life. So he was married to um, Diana Dawes. Mm. Basically, I think his career just, well, just didn't didn't go anywhere, mm. uh, which is a shame because you see him in this story. Yeah. And you think, God, he's really good. I was really and, surprised and when sort- the infotext came up and it had like three credits. Yeah. Well, one, one was the Avengers yeah. in the 60s. There was another one in the 80s or the 70s. Right, yeah. And this. Yeah. And then a couple of like, you know, TV plays or whatever. Yeah. But besides that, it didn't was look like anything really Yeah, happened. and you was, uh, watching this, you're like, he could have been like mm. a leading man in mm. something. He was really, really mm-hmm. good. Um, so it says here, in July 1970, he was involved involved in a pub brawl for which he was sentenced to 18 months in prison. So that's a good start. Yeah, um, and he's, he, was, he started acting by this point as well. Uh, yeah, he, he had yeah. started acting by this point, and he was sentenced to eighteen months. He served a year. He hurt his back. He broke, broke his back horse riding, and was unable to work. And he became a terrible alcoholic. And then it said Lake began ex- uh, hallucinating and experiencing psychotic episodes, but was diverted from drinking after becoming a Roman Catholic. And then uh, his wife became pregnant, but then she was advised to have an abortion. But they did go ahead with the pregnancy, but she miscarried. And then he became a heavy drinker again. And then it says he was getting sort of small parts in little bits and pieces, really not much. In the 80s, they separated for a while, then reconciled uh, when he promised to kick, stop, the to kick all the drinking in. Diana Dawes' health began to deteriorate. She was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She died in 1984. Mm. He burnt all of her clothes, fell into a depression, and then it says the blah, 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 five months after the after five months after Dawes' death, and 16 years to the day since they had first met, he took their teenage son Jason to the railway station, returned to his Sunningdale home, and took his own life by shooting himself in the mouth in their son's bedroom. He was only 43. He had a really awful life. That's heavy. That's yeah. like all the worst possible things yeah. that could happen to somebody happening to them. Yeah. That's deep. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know what? Wherever you are, Adam Lake, you were bloody you were excellent bloody in this. Yeah, you, you were, were and you're a bloody good actor regardless. And yeah. You were excellent in this. Yeah. Probably the only person besides Louise <laughs> that's actually given it socks. Yeah. And, and yeah. So fair play. Yeah. Fair play to you. See you in part two. Hello, this is an advert for the Review of Death Patreon. It is. That we're about to start. Um, So, you know, we've been doing this for a while. Yeah. We've migrated into this rather lovely studio space. And we want to dedicate as much time as possible to doing the Review of Death. Yeah. We want to spend more time rotting and less time not rotting. That's good. I like it. Thank you. Uh, So we've decided we're going to open a Patreon and... um, it is worth saying the review of death is going to stay completely free of charge for oh, yeah. everybody who wants to just watch the episodes every fortnight or every week when we get around to reviewing series 13 yeah uh, but for those who would like to support the review of death uh, and maybe chuck us a couple of coppers you'll also get access to some really cool stuff so we've got two patreon or patron kind of like tiers that yes. you can choose from and within each tier you'll get different things so matt tell us a little bit about the people who would like to pay three pounds towards the review of death so if you want to become an official rodder for three quid you will get our eternal gratitude you will get a warm fuzzy feeling knowing that you're responsible for supporting the review of death <laughs> <laughs> you'll also get exclusive behind the scenes content such as billy going to the toilet 
like he just did. I was filming it. He didn't know that, but that's going on Patreon. Fucking lovely. <laughs> our notes from every show. Well, I say our notes. He's the one who My writes bloody essays and about some <laughs> screenshots on Matt's phone of his notes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you will also get a shout out in each episode. So we'll do a little thing where we go, Joe Bloggs, thank you for donating. Uh, Jane Bloggs, thank you for donating. Any other fake names you can think of? Um... Uh, John Smith John Smith <laughs> thank you very much for donating um, Rodder of Rassilon is the other tier and that's £5 a month uh, and in that tier you get everything that you got from the previous tier uh, but also access to a review of Death Discord server which Matt and I will be in um, and we'll also do monthly um, AMAs in that Discord as well so what's an AMA Billy? it's an ask me anything Matthew okay um, and basically yeah we'll just sort of answer your questions any burning questions you have about Doctor Who uh, we'll be there in a sort of town hall type meeting once a month in the Discord server and we'll have a chat and you guys can sort of weigh in and let us know what you think. So a kind of private, you know, review of death mailbag thing just for Discord people, basically. And of course, they will also get early access to episodes where possible. Exactly. So um, it's well worth checking it out. If you want to support the review of death, we would greatly appreciate it. Um, If not, totally cool. Review of death is still free of charge for you, uh, but you might get a couple of extra little bits and bobs. And also, you know, ideas of what's coming up in yeah. the review of death, the kind of other things we're going to do within the format. So please check out the review of death Patreon and become a rodder today. Yes. <laughs> Rod us. <laughs> Give us a good old rod in. I, uh, welcome back. <laughs> I, uh, I think... I think I'm falling out of love with K9. Really? And I think this story is partly responsible for that. Okay. Because, I mean, I don't know if it's just the cheapness of the show in general. I think it might, it might just be the, the circumstances it's being made under. But it kind of highlights all of K9's most annoying aspects. Right. The fact that he's not very mobile. No. The fact that whenever anybody wants to talk to him, they have to get down on their knees. Yeah. Um, and the his constant bloody whirring. That last scene, which is quite a nice little scene between Leela yeah. and the fourth Doctor, where they're kind of wrapping things up, and yeah. he says, talking about Jason and the Argonauts and all that kind of stuff. And the whole time, you can just hear K-9 going, <laughs> in the background. He has one line of dialogue, and then Leela gets down and gives him a peck on the cheek, and then it's the closing titles. Could you not have just done his bit separately and not had the ears going. Yeah, that's what. true. Do you know, like, it, it's just... And also, in that first scene on board the TARDIS, something that I became really aware of is the the sound of the console and the yeah. lights ticking, yeah, ticking on and off. Yeah, I've never noticed that before. No, is, so is this just the... What, 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 why are we noticing it in this one? I'm sure there's other examples of it yeah. in that era. I mean, you can always hear the time rotor going, going oh, oh yeah, that clunks, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But the, um, but that's part of the charm, it isn't is, it? It is. Have you seen, did you watch any of the, um, season 24 studio stuff in the TARDIS? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And hearing the scanner open, my God, <laughs> it's so loud. It's awful. Um, it's like the illusion is completely destroyed. I, I, and I, honestly, I think I think that's happened in, for me with K9 in this story. Really? The, the one thing that really made me laugh is uh, towards the end of the story that there's obviously two different seed pod, uh, sets of seed pods. Or, uh, uh, the race banks. The race banks. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know why I say seed pods because in my mind, I'm just thinking like, what what's in there? 
Is it just it's a load just of spunk? Spunk, <laughs> yeah. spunk and eggs yeah. just in these two things. And they bring they bring those those little capsules on board the R1C, which yeah. they've taken from the Oracle. Yeah. Um, you can see it a mile off that they're bombs yeah. or grenades or whatever. So Jackson brings them onto the um, R1C, puts them inside that little plastic holder, the little display case. Yeah. They're there for a little while. And then... K9 suddenly gets involved in the conversation yeah. somehow. And it's only when he brings them up to his face. Yeah. He's like, oh, those are bombs. Yeah. It's like, you useless <laughs> thing. Like, how, so it's only when people bring things up to you in, in close proximity that you can be, it's sort of like Marvin knowing the ultimate answer, the ultimate question is the ultimate answer. And people yeah. going, why don't you tell us? Or oh, you didn't ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's how like, useless are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And he's basically just there to, and it's, you know, I, I see this through the whole of this season. He's there to get the doctor and Leela out of prison. Basically, he's them to, there to break, you know, blow blow out blow, walls. Yeah, yeah, that's very lucky, isn't it? It's just very lucky that he happens to have find a, a, yeah, like a bloody doctor detective. I know, I know. Um, and he's there with a little quip every now and again. Yeah, but I kind of have started because my mum hates K nine. Oh, really? And I think she hates him in the same sort of way that people don't like Scrappy do. Right, okay. It's just a little know-it-all. Yeah. Like, oh, and no one likes to know-it-all. Shut up. <laughs> like, you know, it, sometimes he's funny. And, yeah. and I like John Leeson and I like K9, but in this story... Really? I just Gosh. really grating. Wow. Really grating. I, 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 you know, not, I mean, it's not I, fair to say I've fallen out of love with K9. Yeah. But his limitations as a prop and how little they've actually done with him... You know, he's there. He's almost there in the same way as like, we got a new Sonic because we need to sell yeah. the new toy. Yeah. You know, he's there as a kind of commercial Good commodity. Merchandise, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. I mean, I've always, you know, I've seen people say the same sort of thing over the years. That he's, a, that he's a pain, but I don't know. There's a charm to him. I quite, I quite I like agree. Him. And, and I love <laughs> the fact that the Doctor's got a dog. I think yeah. that's really lovely. And... I'm not sure K9 would work with any other doctor. No. Only would work with Tom. This is the this is the first story I've watched where I've sort of noticed the things that kind of hold him back as a, as a character yeah. and where I've kind of been like I can see why people get annoyed by K9. But that was my hot take. Is I yeah, K9 was, wasn't really doing it's it for a, me just in the story. A, a useless pain in the ass. He is a useless <laughs> pain in the ass. Um shall we talk about the CSO? Yeah. What did you actually think of of because it's always the first thing people bring up is like oh that's the episode with the badly green screened caves. I mean, I think really fair play to them for thinking that they could do it. I mean, I think whoever had the balls to come up with that idea and then follow through with it, well, fair play because mm-hmm. that that took some bravery. I think certain bits don't look too bad. There's a there's a one particular shot near the start, yeah, where somebody is running down the down, down a little tunnel and then they turn right and go yeah. out when it's lit right and they've got perspective yes. and depth in the lighting yeah. it actually looks quite good yeah but as you're getting further and further through the story where they've probably got less time to set up these shots and make sure the lighting is right with the caption slides they've got on the photographic blow-ups of the cave systems then it's like oh man you needed more time to do this because when they first start doing it it doesn't look too bad, but no. it's just the further you go on, the deeper into the script you get and the story you get and the less time they've got in the studio to finish those sequences. Yeah. And clearly the more laboured that the actors are getting going, my God, we have to walk up and down the same stretch of corridor, yeah. which we can't even see yeah, another nine it. times. Yeah. It also is quite 
a cheap get out of jail free card for them as well yeah you reusing those shots of oh, people yeah. walking up, up and, and down, down the caves yeah. and that's where this story you could do this in two parts and it would be quite a nice tight little two part yeah. run around it's fine but it is that running up and down corridors thing it really is I, I think I think it's you know the episodes that people consider to be the worst one of the things I've noticed between this and the twin dilemma is that they exemplify all of Doctor Who's sort of stereotypical th- yeah. the stuff that people would use to kind of the stick they used to beat Doctor Who over the head with yeah. they always typify bad monster crap looking design running up and down corridors lots of padding lots of techno babble yeah that's kind of it's that in a nutshell isn't it really this story it's a shame and it is it's sad with all the CSO stuff because other bits of the production actually look pretty good like the P70 set and all that looks really quite impressive Mm -hmm. you know is on two levels you've got the bit of CSO around the front with the you know looking out into space and all that stuff that looks really good all of the model stuff is actually excellent is actually really impressive really love the model stuff I think everybody just goes well it's the one with the bad CSO so everything must look bad in this story it actually doesn't no the model stuff does look really cool you know all that stuff with the uh, when all the rocks are starting to form around the ship that looks really good yeah. when it crashes that looks great mm-hmm. and the explosion at the end when the planet blows up that's really bloody good I was watching it and I thought god that's really quite impressive yeah. and it's a shame that it's it's sort of sandwiched with you know you've got like this beautiful bread but you've got shit in the middle of your sandwich <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a shame and, and I, I think that the, one of the big problems with the CSO in the story is that you utterly lose the geography yeah, of you don't locations. Know, you have no idea what anything is. So when a chase is happening, yeah. it's like, well, I don't know how far away they are from each other. No. And sometimes that, you know, Tom is talking in, in full booming voice. And yeah. you think, well, they just ran the corner sure, and you're in a cave. So yeah, surely yeah, yeah. the sound's going to carry. Yeah. And because I guess it's difficult to, to picture it yourself when you're acting, it's even harder when you haven't got somebody who's clearly signposting these th- this bit this caption card leads to that caption yeah. card which then leads back to the ship there's none of that no it's just generic corridor generic corridor we, we've, we've had that shot where they go right to left so yeah. now we need to turn the cameras around um you can be quite economical with it and reuse those shots like they clearly do yeah but i think that is the problem is just how overly padded this story is yeah it's a real example a, a really clear example of how editing can make or break a story when yeah. you've not got enough material. The reprise is in it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So so one of them's up to two yeah, minutes yeah. long. Yeah. And it's like a 22 minute story. Yeah. And then you think another quarter of it is zero dialogue. There are so many about. long sections where Dudley isn't even writing music for it, where no. people are just standing around yeah. and, you know, characters walk from one side of the room to the other. Um, there's that bit, I think, where they capture the fourth doctor and Leela and Herrick yeah. or Jackson initially. And they're on that kind of bridge. That's, yeah. That, oh, yeah, that rope yeah, bridge. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, take us to your leader sort of thing. They walk out a shot, cut. No, no, no. We're going to see four more guards yeah, yeah. walk past the camera yeah. because we need to make the time up. Yeah. And it, ju- it doesn't make for pleasant viewing, does it? No. And it was interesting because I watched bits of it with the info text on and that whole sequence where they are sacrificing um oh, Edas's yeah. father yeah. and it's like a big ceremony and stuff 
it said in the info text, it was like, well, the, this was added in by the director, all of the responses and stuff. This sort of like almost quite Catholic sort of yeah. um, ceremony. Yeah, it's a kind of call and yeah. repeat sort they of they said they did that because they just thought, well, there's nothing going on. It needed something. And thank God they did because mm. that makes it at least give it some sort of an atmosphere. Um, it's a story that just, it, it plants the seeds of ideas. Like the whole thing about, oh, the Time Lords gave the, the minions That's all this technology cool. and then they had a big war and the Time Lords were like, shit, we better never do this again. That's really great. But that's never explored at well, all. I, 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 I was thinking about that. I was like, so so this is this surely is part of their non-intervention policy exactly, that yeah. ties in with Genesis. Yeah. So why wasn't this on the Road to the Dark Times Blu-ray set for yeah. Time War Victorious? Well, Come on! Because um, <laughs> well, it's Underworld. But um, I, I really liked that aspect of the story. Yeah. And it was frustrating as well, though, that they've done quite a lot of legwork to set up Time Lord involvement in their history. Yeah. They show the regeneration yeah. once, and it's a gimmick that's never used again. No. You think, well, could you not have had a scene where Herrick is like mortally wounded during yes. his torture, and they and bring he, him in, they've uh, got to get him yeah. on the thing, or the doctor gets mortally wounded, and they think, yeah. well, it's Time Lord technology, we it can, will work, it'll on, work him. on him. Yeah. Um, and you could have even used that to go like, well, we've messed up his regeneration cycle, so the 13 thing doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, yeah. You know, whatever. Um, you're right about planting seeds. Yeah, and uh, when they're talking about um, when the doctor's talking to Edas, mm. he's like, "Oh, this is the tree," and blah blah blah. Oh no, there are dragons. What what dragons? I know. What the hell? It's like, and there's what, a little bit where it's like that little weird camera thing. Exactly. Is, is that like a laser thing? I don't know. And, I and that thing where they go, um, he's, he's never seen what a tree looks like. Yeah, it's like, oh, cool. That's a yeah. Go, yeah a bit more he, on that. Yeah, yeah. No, it doesn't really happen. Um, and even the fact when. You know, he's getting all the slaves into the ship. Mm. And Jackson's like, what are you doing? Get him out, get him out. And he's like, come on, Jackson, these are your people. And you're like, that's really good. But nothing really comes of it. It's like, he do, like Jackson doesn't have this moment of like, my God. You're right. A, you know, the, the, what am I doing? Yeah, you know, it's just sort of like, tough shit. I, I know, <laughs> I, I know. Leave this he doesn't come round to it. <laughs> no. Now, because we know that Bob Baker and Dave Martin have alluded to uh, things in the past in their scripts yeah did you get any impression that they were trying to say something about refugees in that little sequence i don't know if it's just because it's particularly prevalent because of the awful things that have been going, going on, on in afghanistan, afghanistan with the taliban and stuff no that didn't cross my mind i, I, I just thought the bit where, where tom is going at him yeah. and saying these are your people it's like i, I thought yeah. watching it i took away from that you've got to take responsibility yeah. for your fellow human beings. Yeah, yeah. If somebody's in a really bad situation, you've got to help out, you've got to do your bit. I, again, I don't know if that's just because of the awful stuff that's been happening in Afghanistan, but I just looked at it and thought, I can see you could maybe read into it that they're trying yeah. to say something about refugees and, and people fleeing wars and all that kind of stuff um, because they've got nowhere to go. And I think especially because they're dressed in rags, mm. they're referred to as, you know, sort slaves, of slaves. Yeah. And then... The lovely bit, which Tom, I thought he'd, he'd done it himself and it turned out he did. The stuff where he's ushering people along and he picks up that child. Did he do that himself? And, yeah, that and he makes oh. sure, and he picks up the child, brings the child through the group, yeah. pops the kid down. The first thing he says is, you look after this child. Yeah, yeah. And then he starts dealing with everybody else. Yeah. I thought that was a really lovely little moment. Yeah. There, there were lots of nice moments. And, and, and it was interesting watching it for, for the first time in a long time because you think there's bits in this that actually look all right. Mm. Why don't we see these in like clips or compilations? Yeah. And, and because 
like that last scene on the TARDIS with the Doctor and Leela, yeah. utterly ruined by K9's ears whirring away <laughs> in the background. A lot of part one looks great. Yeah. The model stuff, again, as you said, looks fantastic. And, you know, when the seers reveal themselves, mm. that's a really cool moment. Yeah. It just doesn't mean anything. No. There's no weight to it. And then there's something else, the, the, the pacification ray in part one. And never, never used back. again. Never you know, used wh- again. Wh- that's it, very Douglas Adams Why as does well, no but. one say hang on a minute, we've got these very angry gimp men chasing us around. Why don't we use the pacification ray on them? It just disappears. And then you just have that gimpy orgy, orgy and you know, <laughs> <laughs> we can just get on with it. I, yeah. It, it, I, I, there's a, I don't know if this is intentionally funny or not either, but I'm just going to read a little bit of the script for you. So okay. this, is, this is when the Oracle figures out that the fission grenades. Yes. yes. <laughs> get rid of them. Get rid of them. Guard. There's no time. Then defuse them. How? Yeah. And then the scene ends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You never see him again. And then and then the planet blows up. Uh, but it's, I think it's the guy's performance. This is the guy that Johnny was talking about. Oh, it's just so... Yeah. It's, it's, oh. it's the same guy. Yeah, he's just... Oh, he's just like, I, I, oh panic. I, I love that bit. I, yeah. I thought, I really hope that was intentional yeah. to just do this, have this little light relief in it. Yeah. And I think even the bit when, when Tom's got them and and he's like, oh, they're bombs. And he's like, oh, you know, they're like going to blow up the planet. And he's like, what, what are we going to do? Well, I think you should probably get rid of them. <laughs> it's, like, it's really well done. And like, even that, even that, I mean, it's dopey, but even that stuff when the guard catches them... Yeah. And he's like, oh, we've got you, Doctor. And he's like, oh, I don't think you want those. <laughs> and he's like, those are grenades. He's like, you can do better than that. And it's like, it's so dopey. Mm. But I think you've got through this story so far, you might as well just go, ah, why not? I do think that there is more of that. that, that there's a bit more levity yes. as you get further into it. Yeah. It, it, it's quite worthy at the start. Yeah. And then, you know, once you get through all the padding and, you know, somebody could do a really good cut down of this story yeah oh god you could you could basically cut out episode two entirely yeah and yeah. it would be it would so mean, much better exactly it would be so much better um yeah I, I i don't know really what we can say about it besides the fact that you getting callbacks watching the face of evil as well to this with like it's leela's penultimate story yeah it's another ai gone mad yeah that's sort the thing. of thing i, I did votan boss so Anon, and oracle they're this all was, in the same sort of camp. This was the problem. I was watching it. I was thinking, oh, it's another mad computer. And unfortunately for this one, it's not very interesting. No. We've had a computer with schizophrenia in the follow- the previous season, which was far more interesting mm-hmm. and scary. You know, that end of episode three when... But it's the, got who a gimmick, I? though. It's yeah. not just like a load of lights. Yeah. Like at least boss yes has a cool look it has and a cool look and it's very well acted and very well written charismatic yes. a great idea uh votan you know it's the first kind of ai yeah. so it, you know they're, they're kind of building blocks that yeah. other monsters that and it canonized us. doctor who as the doctor's name exactly so, you know, so it's, given that. it's got its place in it history does. um and then other sort of ai things i mean what what else is there really i mean there's um, I don't know, like, the wire, the wire from oh yeah, oh yeah, Edith Lantern. She uh, she's not AI though, is she? She's a like no, someone's. But it's that same it's sort, that sort of, of thing. stuff. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we really have mad computers in mm. New Doctor Who. Not many, I guess. There's like been malfunctions, like oh, uh, well, um. Yeah, malfunctions. So like the the clockwork robots. Oh yeah, and the ship just yeah. making do, 
that's but that, but the ship isn't the villain. No, you know, like the ship might be booby trapped in some situations, or like oh, that's an yeah. eye inside the camera, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, there's but, no sentience to mm, these things. There's whereas no obviously in back these and forth. Of, no, yeah, yeah, you can't have a can't have a chat with them. Yeah, I've I've got uh, Tom's in a mood or drunk or both. Yeah, probably both. <laughs> I didn't get time to watch the studio footage because he he goes mental in some of those ones, doesn't he? Who oh, does he? I think there's some bits like well, there's always that. Well, let's get on with a bloody stroke when they're doing <laughs> yeah. Leisure Hive. Yeah, there's the one where he starts yelling at people when he's in the prison cell with Duggan and Leela for oh, City yeah. of Death. Uh, oh, Romana, sorry for City of Death. And then I'm sure there's some stuff on this where I've seen him on blue screen and he's moaning at people or, or yeah. shouting. I'm not surprised. No. I'm not surprised given the circumstances. Um, one thing that I didn't know, to, uh, haven't mentioned, but it made me laugh was during that sacrifice bit, the guard the, with the really good acting says of the slaves, they are full of fear. And then it cuts to the extras who look not terrified, <laughs> but just fed up that they've been standing around all evening waiting to film this story. And I think that just, that's just his story in a nutshell. It's I love just it. people hanging about. People hanging not about. Not doing much. Not doing anything. Uh, what, what do we think of the cliffhangers as well? Probably worth mentioning. I mean, it's a classic kind of era for cliffhangers. We've got yeah. one of the best um, underrated of all time coming up in the next story. Yes. Yeah, very much so. Episode one, it frustrated me because that is actually quite a good cliffhanger, but the way it's shot, it's very static. Yeah. And the tension just isn't there when they're like, oh, you know. Well, it's because they're sat around for ages while the rock thing is happening. Yeah. And you're not actually getting any kind of There's no shaking. Of, no, it, was, everyone's just there looking at the screen going, oh, we can't see yeah, anything t- anymore. Tom and Leela are on that sofa yeah. just sat there. He's, um, Herrick is there pressing buttons, I think. And yeah, it's just all static. Yeah. And you think, no, shake the camera. You know, mm. these rocks are like flying at the thing. You know, do something. Did you have any notes about the director? Because I have got, I know who's done this one. Who directed so, this Norman one? Stewart who was formerly a production assistant on right. The Daleks, Planet of Giants, The Web Planet, The Savages, The Underwater Menace, Day of the Daleks, and The Invisible Enemy. Okay. And um, uh, he would then go on to direct The Power of Kroll. Right, The next okay. year. So, I mean, it, it's not as static as Peter Moffat no. in, in The Twin Dilemma. Not at all. And, and actually, there are quite a nice couple of shots, even in the green screen. Yeah. There's like a nice bit where... Tom and Leela, uh, Tom and, and, and Louise, and I can't remember who the other character is that's with them. It might be one of the slaves. They kind of come into shot and it's like shot down a line. Oh, yeah. And th- they're trying to get the camera in the space, yeah. uh, not just sort of like sh- shoot it flat as a wide yeah. and have like six characters run in and mill around. Yeah. And having physical props yeah. in there is actually quite a nice thing as well. The carts being pushed around. It and helps, the- doesn't it? It yeah. helps give it... Se- it sells it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a really nice shot actually in part one where the camera is in the TARDIS and it sort of the, the camera sort of moves into the console and it's just like it just looks like a shot that we haven't really seen before because I know Tom always used to moan didn't he about oh these shots are all the same he said won't you do this or do that you know because it's just you know I know exactly where I'm looking for the bloody camera mm. and I think this was one of those moments where there was a bit of thought put into it um I think really is a shame for this poor guy because it was a bloody baptism by fire to do your first Doctor Absolutely. Who and they, they probably, it's all on blue screen. They probably gave him Power of Crawl to go like, sorry, we couldn't yeah. do like a proper one. Yeah, here's, here's a proper one. Yeah, and I guess that's, you know, got a bit of location as well, you know, so he, yeah, he, he managed to get something You just have to deal with get the, all these extras not being able to wash green paint off of them and yeah. <laughs> having to turn work down the next day because yeah. they turn up to the set 
<laughs> Covered in green. They love it. Um, yeah, I think it's, uh, as a story, it's not as bad as some people say it is. Um because I think we did get quite a few r- remarks on Twitter that it was well, like, yeah, pretty I mean, awful. I, I, I don't think it deserves to be within sort of 10 or 20 places of the Twin Dilemma. No. I'm amazed it's as far down the bottom as it is. And I was shocked, actually, that the Rings of Acker 10 was... Um, that low as well. That low. Mm. Because, you know, oh, it's, right, it's, not, it's, okay, it's just all right. Yeah, and, and it has got a great moment. Like, you can't... Th- Think of a lot of the stories that are that far down the list don't have standout moments that people still sort of remark yeah. upon. But like Rings of Akatan has the that, 11th Doctor's speech and yeah. actually I quite like that story. I don't really have any problems with it. Yeah. I know that a lot of people didn't like it when it first came yeah. out and there were a kind of small number of people that were like, actually it was fine. Yeah. Um, and it would have been nice to revisit that. But it unfortunately... Been, yeah. Everybody's decided to make us watch the Space Pirates for episode three. Uh, so no. thank you very much. I think I think what we might have to do is we'll do the Space Pirates for episode three. Yeah, and then I think we'll give ourselves a break. And I was do, to do a nice you. one after the recording of this. I was like, I must say to Billy, why don't we do something? Let's else do something a bit different. Yeah. yeah. So we'll, we'll we'll try and work out what that is. But yeah, the next time you'll see us, we're going to be doing the Space, the space Pirates. Pirates. Um, and we've got a little thing here. I, I pick my rodder of the week. This yeah. is this is. Uh, somebody who got in touch with us on Twitter at Dial Confession uh, of Underworld they say it's obviously infamous for its awful effects but it's got some great model work which goes underappreciated I'm yeah. glad somebody's mentioned that Very because good. it really really yes. is quite strong uh, the story itself is incredibly bland though the BTS doco showcasing how they had to piece it together with no money left is way more interesting than the episode <laughs> itself and you know it's true I, and yeah. it, uh, I think that's the thing to take away from the story is that it is incredibly ambitious. Yes. It is massively handicapped by having just, you know, come out around the same time as Star Wars. Yeah. That's a problem because everybody's going to be comparing everything else to Star Wars. I mean, even the bloody Bond producers were like, well, we need to do that. Yeah. That's it, isn't it? Um, So I, I would give Underworld a go. Like just be prepared for, if you want to fast forward through a lot of part two or a lot of part three or a lot of part four, (laughs) you won't miss an awful lot, but um, it's fine. And there's some nice things in there to kind of take away from it. I I really don't think it deserves to be this far down on the list. I think that's you saying that about if you just want to forward on. I was just thinking back to my earlier statement of it being a story where I would watch the first episode and then sort of just, go off and do anything else and then sort of tune into the end. And I thought, oh, I must find out what I've been missing all these years. Mm. And it turns out I've not been missing no, much, not, at not much at all. No, not much at all. You know, it isn't great, but part one is is quite strong. Part one is a strong start. And if it followed that same yeah. level of quality or that, you know, things had actually been happening. Yeah. I think it could have been quite good. Yeah. But I wonder how much of that is because of the budget, though. I wonder how much of it was because, oh, well, we can't afford to do that. Right. So we'll just chop it. Well, or I know that was the, the script just... E- even, even though the budget was a massive concern of theirs, I think the set for the spaceship still came in over budget. Really? Wow. I think they still spent too much money on it, which is why there is so much CSO, because yeah. they couldn't have built other sets. No. But, like, even some of the corridor stuff is quite nice. Yeah. Like, you know, just move those big data banks yeah. to the other side and you've got a whole new corridor to use. Yeah. Doctor Who's very good at that stuff. Yeah. Like sometimes it is noticeable. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's noticeable, but it doesn't need to be something you pull attention to. No. It's a spaceship. All the corridors are going to look the same, yeah. you know. Um, they look the same as Star Wars. No one ever moans about that. Exactly. And I think actually the colour palette of the beige and the white, that 
one corridor in particular where they've, there's kind of like a, a, a curved section I of the corridor. One, yeah. I, I did look at it and think, I can see where Star Wars has influenced them yeah. in, in the set here and in, in the design. But I really wouldn't put that much kind of credence on Star Wars coming out around oh, that no. time. I think this story always would have struggled because yeah. of the budgets. Yeah. It just so happens that, yeah, it, it's come out at a really unfortunate time for that story in particular. Yeah. But watch part one and yeah. give it a go because there's stuff to like there. And the, the, like I say, the model stuff's really good. Louise Jameson's fantastic. Tom is... Tom's baseline as not being, you know, particularly into the story no. is still pretty he's, he's bloody still good. good. You know, you know? He, when when the the script um requires him to do something of note, he does it incredibly well. Whether it's all the attention's thing, on him. Yeah. You know, there is an element to to it, yeah. you know, of, of of selfishness maybe. Yeah. Um but it's fine. Yeah. Give it a go. And it's it's got a bridge with a sofa on it. It's got a bridge with a sofa on <laughs> Which it. Which is very weird for a spaceship. <laughs> I, it's very, very Blake 7. Yeah. Give Blake 7 a go as well. That's another yeah. recommendation I think I'd give everybody. Because yeah. I was looking at I was looking at Alan Lake and I thought, you'd be quite a good Blake. You would have been a good Blake. He, and he's got the look. Yeah. He looks quite he eerily looks like, similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, um, so yeah, give it a go. Yeah. Gareth Thomas, eat your heart out. Wasn't it Gareth Thomas? It was, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so there we go. That's Underworld. Space um, Pirates next. Space Pirates next. And then after that... I cannot believe that this story <sighs> was was voted lower on that big list than, than the, the Space, Space Pirates. Pirates. Christ, only one episode exists and that what, makes you want to go thing, into a coma. We've got, we've got to watch a story with basically no telesnaps yeah. that exist of it. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, sometimes the the watching a telesnap reconstruction can be a slog. Mm. But watching a telesnap reconstruction <laughs> when there are no telesnaps <laughs> to use in the reconstruction is going to be especially difficult. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 want, I want this on record that I actually did... I saw the tweet go out because I, I had saw that before you tweeted it that it was Space Pirates was coming up. And I thought to myself, oh, I must say to Billy, maybe we don't do the Space Pirates due to the nature of the, yeah. the, the existing episode situation. So, but um, I, I think let's get this out of the way. I think this will be the most difficult one for us to review. Yes, I think it will, and I think it'll be a real, a really interesting to see how we approach talking about it. Yeah, have you ever watched the Space Pirates? Once, all the Always, way through. All the way through. Okay, yeah. same. Yeah, um, I can't really remember it. So, so six I think parts. It's, it's six episodes. Yeah, oh my god. god. <laughs> <sighs> well, um, we'll see you then. If we haven't died, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>